Hey, yo, artists and musicians. Who, us? Yeah, do you want your own vinyl records? Yeah, but I can't order a thousand of them. Or wait like a year to get them. Yeah, we're going on tour in two months. Check out our friends lathecuts.com. They'll make you vinyl singles in quantities as small as 50 copies and as quickly as three or four weeks. Get out of here. You heard me right. All their pricing is a la carte and they can help you pick a package that fits your budget. Okay, who we talk to about this? You need to email my buddy Mike. His address is lathecuts at yahoo.com. And if you mention low profile, you'll get a 10% overrun on your order. So if I order 50 records? Mike's going to send you 55. If I order 75, I guess you would get 82 and a half? Something like that. Remember, you got to mention low profile to get that deal, and it won't be around forever. What was that address again? That's lathecuts at yahoo.com. Custom-made records in small quantities. Mention low profile to get a 10% overrun on your order. And emailing now. Hi there, this is Markley Morrison, and it's great to be back with a new season of Low Profile. Today, on the 25th episode, I'm bringing you the goods. The definitive article on the sleeper underground pop duo, Donnie and Joe Emerson. The two oldest siblings of their family, Donnie and Joe made the leap from agriculture to popular culture with their 1979 album, Dreamin' Wild. The strange thing is that it took over three decades for their music to catch on. Talk about being ahead of their time. featured in several movies and the HBO show Big Little Lies, not to mention several cover versions by new artists like Ariel Pink with Dame Funk and the R&B duo Kristen and Shauna Gray. I had the privilege of speaking with not only Donnie and Joe, but also their parents who risked everything to help their kids live their dream, from custom jumpsuits to building a studio and producing a record on their farm in Fruitland, Washington. But before we hear this family interview, Donnie wanted to share a brand new rendition of Baby that he stumbled upon, sung by Kirsty Fox, with accompaniment by Stephen Dale. this cover separately during the COVID lockdown, and I spoke with them earlier this summer. Uh, my name's Stefan, and uh, I was producing this cover uh, 
Dolly and Joe's song uh, with Kirsty here. Introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name's Kirsty. I am from South Wales, the same place as Steph, and I'm a vocalist. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came upon that song? Uh, well, it was it was my choice, really. I think, wasn't it, Kirsty? Um, yeah, we were trying to find something, weren't we? Yeah, we were searching around. I think we had a couple of ideas, but I don't know. It, it just seemed like one of those songs that's, like I was saying to Kirsty, it's one of the songs that's hard to do wrong because it's it's simple and you know, there's not actually that many covers of it as well. I, don't, I think one other one I can note is Ariel Pink's cover, but. Um, Online, we had a, you had a look on YouTube, didn't you, Kirsty? Yeah, there wasn't many at all. No, so yeah, we thought it was uh, it was a good one to, uh, to to have a go at. Yeah, yeah, ripe for reinterpretation, and I think uh, y'all did a lovely job. Well, if if they're, and they're I'm assuming they're going to be listening back to this podcast at some point as well when it's out. So yeah, I'd like to say uh, thank you for not suing us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for writing it in the first place because it is a great tune. Yeah, it's one so of my good. Favorites. Beautiful piece of music. It's so nice to sing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you did it pretty good justice there, Kirsten. Thanks, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> that was the Welsh duo Kirsty and Steph on their new cover of Baby, a song originally written by this episode's guests, Donnie and Joe Emerson. If you enjoy this program, you can follow it on Instagram at lowpropodcast, and if you'd like to help support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash lowprofile. Also, telling your friends and giving the show positive ratings and reviews on iTunes couldn't possibly hurt. Okay, the intro's over. Come on and hang out with Donnie and Joe, their mom and dad, and yours truly. Well, I'm Donnie Emerson. I'm Joe Emerson. It's Don Emerson. Senior. And where are you tonight? We're at the farmhouse here in Fruitland. Yeah, we're at the where we where were we raised. grew up. Yep. Wow, back home. And uh, I understand it's your birthday, Don. Yes. It, yeah, today was my birthday, and we was up to the bar and had a birthday party there up in Hunters, close to where we went to school. Very cool. You know, I I just first of all I want to say thank you. I'd like to thank you so much for talking to me. This has been a long time coming. Um, if you don't mind me sharing how I discovered your music before we get going. That'd be uh, great, Mark. Yeah, so I was on tour with the band Lake, and uh, we were, I believe we were in Baltimore. We found this underground record store that was literally underground, like you went to the sidewalk level and went downstairs into a basement <laughs> and cool. uh we were just looking for some records to take home cds to listen to in the van while we were on the road and uh while we were browsing the fellow working behind the counter stopped whatever was playing and he put on dreaming wild and me and my two bandmates that I was with inside the store all just stopped, rose up, and like started walking toward the cashier. 
to find out what the hell he was playing. Uh, it was immediately just grabbed all of our attention. I want to say this was probably around 2008. Wow. Maybe 2009. Was that early? So, yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, there's this thing I found at the thrift store, and uh, it's just an instant classic that we never knew about. And he uh, sold us a CDR copy of it for six bucks, I think. And we wow. uh, we played the hell out of it while we were on the road. Um, it became sort of our soundtrack for a while. And uh, yeah, we were kind of doing our research on you guys, even as far back as 2008 or nine. And found out that y'all were from Washington, where we live too. Uh-huh. Um, I'm I'm in Olympia, of course. And so, uh, Don Senior, you still live in Spokane? Okay. Or I'm sorry, live? Fruitland. We live here in Fruitland. I mean, not in Fruitland, but we're uh, we're five miles south of Fruitland. We're on Highway 25 here. Uh, All right. And Donnie, you're in Spokane. Yeah, I, I I live in Spokane, and I just came out for, you know, Dad's birthday. And, and actually, it's, it's a pretty cool thing, and the whole family's out here. But I just got to tell you something. I, I uh, The story that you told me about kind of hearing about our music and stuff, I actually talked to Bill Polad about that incident. Did he did they ever talk to you at all or or anything? Because I told him about the story. That you told me. Oh, can I can I interrupt you for just a second? Sure. Um, just for for the sake of the listener, um, Bill Polad is directing a feature film about Donnie and Joe. Yes, he's actually writing and directing the film. Yeah, and but and right. I and I was telling him about the story, Mark. Okay, and okay. his his eyes lit up when I was telling him about this. He was telling me on the other end because I told him over the phone, and he said, "You die, I'm just lighting it up over on the other end." And I think what he was thinking was an image in his head. You got to remember, you know what I mean? So I don't know what he's actually was thinking at the moment, but as a creator, you never know. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, whoa, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and yeah, we talked. I want to say what maybe like eight months ago. I think it was last fall. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Do you know what the what the deal is with the movie at this point? Well, Joe, you want to say something? It might be better coming. I think here. River Road Entertainment's taken over the production part of the film right now, as far as what we can we've heard. Um, but um, 
and and I think the script is ninety percent finished, and we'll probably be the family. Uh, our family will probably be uh, listening and and uh, hearing the script here uh, sometime soon this summer. That's really exciting. You think you guys are going to try to make a cameo? Oh, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> well, we don't know what the script is yet. We, we, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of in the dark a bit. It's, it's, it's a bit mysterious in a way because, <laughs> you know, the story's about us, and now we're kind of wondering, how's this thing going? I mean, it is kind of a dream and wild right. thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is kind of crazy. Yeah, it, there's not a whole lot of stories or information about you that's you know readily available to the public so that's part of the reason i'm excited to speak with you guys mm -hmm. like when i hear stuff that sounds different every time i hear it i want to know more about the lives behind it and so from what i understand you guys just grew up in fruitland washington or i guess just outside of it and Don Sr., you were a farmer and a logger. Yeah. Y'all had a, some 1,600-acre farm. Is that right? Well, I had 1,760 acres. Wow. Even bigger than I thought. Yeah. And y'all worked the farm. Uh, were, were there other people working the farm, or was it just the family? You had You had some hired people helped a little bit yeah dad would hire some during the summer that was when we were quite younger yeah though. we were younger at yeah. that time that was when we were mm -hmm. toddlers but then yeah of course when we got into our teen years early teen years then mm -hmm. uh, we we began taking on the the farm chores more so yeah yeah i was wondering if you could tell me about uh your siblings because you you said that there's a younger brother as well um what who who are your siblings and what's the birth order if I can get really meticulous? Well, I'm the oldest. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm and then Don's second in line. Then we have a sister, Maria. Then David, and then Catherine Rose. So there's five of us, five siblings in the family. And we're all pretty much maybe a couple years apart. Rosie's the youngest. She came quite a bit later. She's nine about nine years younger than I. And I'm 61 years of age now, so. Wow, so that that puts you at about 19 or 20 when Dream and Wild came out. Yeah, yeah. I was about 18. Donnie was about 16. Hey, I just got to say something. Mom is here with us as well, Mark. Our mother's with oh, us. Wow. Is this with? Is she's right beside us? Can she say hello yeah. as well? Oh, please. Yeah, just kind of. Yeah, introduce yourself. Yeah. Can because we don't no one really hears from our mother that much and and I just think it'd be awesome if she could just say say hi to Mark your mom hi Mark how are you hi good and I I didn't I didn't catch your name oh my name's Selena Selena well um Selena could I ask you to sort of describe Donnie and Joe when they were beginning to um, show their their musical strengths and tendencies? Yes, when I was very little, I had a hard time with them because she used to take me little spaghetti, little pots and pan, and I said, uh-uh, we cannot do that anymore. So I went to Goodwill and I bought him some and I was working with that and sometimes took the vacuum cleaner too. And I said, that's not very well, not good, because it's dusty. 
and try to play kinds of music with that, making noise. But I always let him do it because I felt it's better see him in the living room with all that noise, doing a lot of noise from see him outside running around. Didn't know where it goes because kids, you cannot keep him still out when you outside is outside, you know. We put a lot so, of we put I, a lot of dents in those uh, uh, did, pouts and pans, didn't I, Mom? Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> so we've done a lot of things with this. We've been a lot of places too to get it. So, so a lot of things. So. We're gonna have Mom. To, we're gonna have our mother sit down here just a little bit yeah. here, Mark. Oh, great, great. <laughs> yeah, this is. We. This we is really exciting. Uh -huh. We really work hard on this since we get started in the beginning. We always was do what the kids really want to do it. We was going to do the right thing. We went along with it. My husband and I and everybody had to make sacrifices in our family. We could not do it without God's help. Mm -hmm. We always strong in our faith and that's number one in our lives because that's as important as you cannot, this world, they're made here to stay, made here to prepare for the next life. Mm -hmm. So we're very picky on that kind of subject. So so I think, I my opinion, I, I hope this movie, when it come out, it'll be not put things, not nice things in it. I don't think it's going to do that because we're not that kind of people we are. And I hope it'll be successful and good movie. That's how I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, but the boys work hard. Joe, he practiced drums and he played guitar too. You know, he played the piano too. And Donnie, he never stopped. Yeah, I remember when he used to practice in the studio, the studio Bill, my husband did build for them. And he come in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, he take his shoes off. Mm -hmm. He come from the basement to not make noise to wake us up. So he worked awful hard in this. He never stopped. He always practiced and playing, and he always come for noon song. What you think about this, Mom? You think it's going to be hit? And I said, well, I brought a lot of pretty. songs to you, didn't I, Mom? Yes, you did. Lots right of songs. Now. The thing is, I would bring the songs home to her on a yeah. tape, yeah, and they would be produced. <laughs> and she'd say, well, I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that. Normally, it was always she liked everything I did, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, the one one thing I've definitely gathered from uh, the things I've read about you guys, it was just a very supportive, loving family, and you guys were, you know, you you guys were hot stuff in your town, uh, you know, the 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 local rock and roll band, but not party animals, not. Uh, you guys weren't trashing hotel rooms or no, anything no. like that. <laughs> no. And in fact... Uh, Good, clean fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was. I mean, the thing is, we were fortunate when during that time, during 1977 and 78, 79, there were other musicians around here as well. We came from a very small area, but there were little bands here. There were two other bands, by the way, wasn't there, Joe? It, that was in our area? Yeah, there was the... The the McLeans up there, and then there was the uh, Haroldsons. They had their band, and then we had our band. So to to have three bands in a small little community, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah.
Donnie and Joe, back to um, back to how how did you get into pop music? What was your what was your first exposure that you remember that really made an impact? Well, I'll let you tuck on that one, Joe. Go ahead. Well, uh, let's see. Well, it had to do with you, I think. Didn't well, it? probably me, probably getting a driver's license and having a car with a radio in it. Finally, having uh, my own car and. And um, I really didn't know too many bands or anything and didn't listen to too much music. But when I first bought, I, I did have a couple of 8-track tapes. We didn't have albums and things like that in any collection at home. We didn't listen to music at home. But at school, I remember in one of the locker rooms, some guy had a, some tapes. And one was a, a Steely Dan tape. And, I, well, maybe I, I I purchased one of those. Maybe I'll like that music. You know, I was just trying to fit in, but I didn't know who what kind of music it was. I just seen the guy had had uh, the tape and it said Steely Dan. So <laughs> well, I think I'll buy that out of Columbia House Records. You know, <laughs> well that was kind of my introduction. Yeah. And, uh, and and of course our local radio station in Spokane, um, KJRB, played a lot of variety of music and that and. And I think I probably tuned into that station quite a bit, and 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 that's when my first beginnings was of the music that was happening at the time. But um, I was really quite naive about concert music that was happening in Spokane because I didn't go to concerts, and we we rarely uh, met other musicians outside of our own town. So that was probably my mainstay of of the beginnings. Now Don probably had probably similar beginnings too, but I don't know what your main thing was, Don. Well, it's so weird because I, uh, Joe, would you know we would go down and and have to change irrigation pipes, you know, and we'd all ride in Joe's car. He had a station wagon. Uh, he'd have an eight-track tape of. I I, I don't know. It seemed like it, he had a a tape of different different people on it at that time i didn't have an eight track tape player wasn't in that, not in that chevy station not, wagon. wasn't that was just not radio? then but it was just the radio I really wasn't listening to that much stuff except for the stuff that you know they would have on their radio in their car or whatever you know steve miller band and stuff like boston. that boston um but um there were there are other stuff like steely dan as well you know all that bread. kind of stuff bread yeah but a lot of the stuff that came on the radio was different, though, Mark. We got a, 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 a plethora of music on, on the radio. Because at that time, they would play many genres. They'd play country. They'd play pop, soul um, on this station. It wasn't just one style of music, if that makes any sense. I think there was another um, venue where we got our music. It's television. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we think about that. Bandstand was on, Don. We oh, yeah, used Bandstand. To watch Bandstand. Yeah. And of course, Don and what we we didn't have much uh, music genres on TV at that time, but Bandstand was a kind of a. I think I probably touched you quite a bit too. But I did, and another thing is the Lawrence Welk show. That's right. I, I, mean, I was a big Lawrence Welk fan. Um, oh yeah. Some kids might not have got into that, but but the musicianship in the in on the Lawrence Welk show was above anything, and it's above anything even to this day. Yeah, and Lawrence Welk was sort of... I, I remember watching Lawrence Welk reruns when I was a little kid. And right. he was definitely like the antithesis of cool. 
kind of so square that it was cool yeah, exactly. at the same time. <laughs> I'm just trying to think at that time. See, 1975, I was... Uh, I forget how old I was in 75. Was I 14? <laughs> You're getting too old to remember, Don. I remember nothing. <laughs> I know. I'll tell you something. One of our friends, who was our bass player, Eldon, his father was into country music. And some of that stuff actually rubbed off on us too. Uh, it doesn't sure. s- doesn't seem like, because he would hang around with us and come and watch us play. Dad, our dad would come to our rehearsals while we were at the, at the Grange Hall. And you know, if, if you listen to 45, it's got country influences in it, you know what I mean? country hits in in Europe, correct? Yeah. Which is it's a it's a different type of thing over there though. It's a different type of animal, you know. It's like sure. It's not like here, you know. They have sparse sparse play over there. So, you know, it takes a lot of here it's so saturated, Mark, you know, with radio stations playing one style of music. Over there they were playing many styles of music on the same station. So that right. that yeah. was like it's all integrated. It's all integrated. I when I was I listened to uh a couple of your 90s country records uh Whatever It Takes and Through Life. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of uh like later period Roy Orbison as well. You're both crooners. Take my heart Forever we'll be never apart So close we are I can feel the miles apart After all, since you love me There's no way I could ever leave you Cause throughout I'm falling in love with you I'm more comfortable with ballads and I mean I like um, up-tempo tunes and everything and I, I'll do them but what I do like about ballads is that you can you can let the song breathe a little bit and phrase a little differently and and create space in your phrasing where you can't really do that in, a, in an up-tempo tune it's all kind of in your face does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. The yeah, you can be more lush with a ballad. Right. Right. Well, um, I kind of want to rewind in the conversation a little bit here. You were talking about how you were playing at uh, Grange halls and local events, and Don Senior, you took them out to Spokane and found a recording studio, and they made a forty-five. Can you just tell me how you got from from there to 
recording the album? Well, it was kind of kind of simple how we got from there because we, after we recorded that 45, we started listening to it and we said to ourselves, heck, we can do this ourselves. We're, we're, we're not perfect, but gee, we can do that. <laughs> so, I, we just, uh, we had uh, the other, Mr. T was involved with us. He was his music teacher, but we had him on. He'd always come and check on us, see how we was doing, and he was going to promote us some and whatnot. But anyway, he could see that maybe uh, maybe we could do that. So we got the big idea that we'd we'd get to recording equipment and we'd do it ourselves instead of paying somebody else out there to do it. Yeah. So that's what we done. We had the studio built, and uh, they was practicing there, and so. Mr. T, he went and bought the equipment, and I paid for it, and that's the way it went. He just learned on his own. We was heavily <laughs> over-equipmentized, <laughs> but we used it. We did use it, and and uh, it, was, it, it was an interesting time because T would bring out of a piece of equipment, say, once every 30 days he'd bring something out just to see if it might work for us to possibly because he ran our he ran a um a music store okay and right and so he'd bring something out and he'd say hey you might want to try this to go with that piece right there yeah. and we'd experiment with it and say oh yeah that really works you know like like maybe like a, an echoplex machine or a or a, mm -hmm. a you know or 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 maybe a an equalization thing like a 32 band equalizer and I said well what what can I do with this you know and then I realized what I could do with it and then and then I also knew but here's the thing mic placement wasn't really uh, prevalent with him teaching me mic placement all that stuff had to be learned as we went. Nobody sure. taught us that stuff, you know, mic placement. If you listen to the record, you could see where we kind of evolved and then kind of we regressed because that's what happens. You, you, you say, okay, this kind of sounds good, but then you kind of forget how you did that, you know, and then you move on to something else. We got robbed, so we got some more equipment. Uh, yeah, we did <laughs> oh, get robbed. Man. Really? Yeah. Somebody yeah. broke into your studio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. someone broke in and... Stole about, oh, I don't know, maybe $50,000 worth of equipment, a couple guitars, a TV monitor, flute, uh, flute oh, just different different items that, that they get hands on at the time of the break-in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The instrumentation on your records are just really very thorough and so varied. It's you got a lot going on, and it's all very tasteful and also playful at the same time well thanks for uh, saying that i'll tell you what we didn't we knew what we were doing when we were doing it
A lot of these inspirations don't come from you, Mark. They come from God. They don't come from you. You can work all you want, okay? And it's it, and I've been doing this now for 45 years. I can I I can tell young kids this. Your gift does not come from your hard work. It comes from your connecting to that space, that place, and that's God's gift coming to you. A lot of times they don't know how to connect, you know, and. Because you can work and work and work and work and work and never come up with lines. I think it's like a plant that's growing as, as from a seed. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, it's not mechanical. It's got to take some nature. It's got to take some, something that's just uh, true to itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's naturally going to happen. Yeah, and that's funny because I go play with guys I'm playing with right now, Mark. And I don't even have the creativityness that I had with Joe and Eldon, with them. It's 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 so weird, Mark. It's it's almost like things are thought out too much. Oh, I got to think it like this. No, the bass player should. You know, what I mean, it, it, sometimes you just got to let yourself go. And it's hard to do that because we're in a day and age where we want to piece things together. We piece it together on these on these on these digital workstations. Well, we've got to piece this together, piece that together. Well, what happens is you're not really in tune with your bandmates. You're basically just relying on the piecing and cutting and pasting of a of a mathematical equation. Instead of just let it breathe. I don't care if you're out of tune at the beginning. If it flows and it's right, it's right. It's just the way I look at it anymore. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think I agree with you that it just it it's something that you it's it's more of an experience. It's more of something that happens to you than something you force to happen. Exactly, and yeah, do you want to say something, Joe? No, I think it's uh, I I think it's that's correct. What you guys are both saying there, and true in a sense. Uh, it's just, uh, it comes out of you. I mean, again, of course, we were young. I think that had a lot to You're do. We weren't cluttered. Our minds weren't cluttered with a lot of things around us that was was happening, sure, out in the outside world from our own world. Yeah. But uh, we had this this vision and then enlightenment of, like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm so excited. I, 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 yeah. I just... and, and, of course, I had a part in that. It, mine was... A, the the thrill of the event where we got together with Don and my friend Eldon, um, that moment was like, wow, we're going to go. We're going to play some music. It was like a, a new thing is happening here. Uh -huh. uh, we're creating something. It, it, um, it's, it's like a diamond in a rough. You, you, all of a sudden, it's coming out. Wow, this is cool. You know, I hear young kids come up to me, and I see bands that are conformed. They're conformed. They get together, and they peter out after about four or five months, six months, and they're gone. Okay? But the greats, they're never gone. When you when you listen to the song Baby, Joe and I playing that song, okay? Those are one mm -hmm. those are one takers. There's no overdubs. There's no overdubs of, of going back and singing the mel uh, the lead singing vocal. The, I mean you, you we just I just made the words up as I was going. <laughs> And then you'd layer stuff on. Yeah, and then we did the backups. We did the backups. 
Well, see, for, we did the backups on that, and then I just sang over it, and that was a one take, because I couldn't punch in then. I didn't know how to punch in. So I just kind of dreamed off in La La Land and started singing. It just, and then after I got it done, then after I got it done, I wrote the words down on a piece of paper just so I couldn't forget them. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how I did stuff at that time. Um, but coming up with Dreaming Wild, yeah, that's you know, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, and and I'm sure you've done that yourself with your bandmates. You've yeah, they just got to start banging away, and all of a sudden you got something. <laughs> Um, Joe, can you speak to what you've been doing musically over the last uh, almost, I, I guess it's been over 40 years since the inception of the duo, but you've continued to play music in addition to the logging business, right? Right, yeah. Well, I did miss it not playing with Don when he went ventured off and went pretty much on his own at first, and then of course then he... he, he married and his wife worked together with him and then he had band members later on but I I did miss Don not being with Don and and our earlier band members but then I I still wanted to do something with music and and eventually I started playing guitar a little bit but I was different than Don in some ways we're different but we're both kind of like you know we got this kind of uh hunger to say, I want to show them this kind of a sound, I want to show them that kind of sound. And uh, so lately I've just been by myself here. Uh, Still, you know, not as much as I'd like to, but, um, you know, once a week I'll pick the guitar up and go upstairs and play my guitar and play some drums. So what was what was your reaction to the, the realization when you found out that your album was sort of taking off in this sort of underground vintage pop scene three decades later? Well, hold a second. I got I got I got to rewind here. Rewind, rewind. Sure. I remember. Uh, in my kitchen, or my you know, my dining room, and my daughter's on the internet. At that time, I think she was about ten or eight, and she says, "Daddy, look, look, these people are playing your music. That's Daddy, you know, on there." And I think at the time, I think there was I don't know there were I don't know how many thousand views on there. There must have been maybe I don't know maybe two thousand views or something. I don't even know if it was that much, Mark, whatever. But to me, that was a big deal. Okay. And so I'm thinking to myself, hmm, what's this all about? You know, this is kind of interesting. Well, weeks went by, weeks went by, and we started getting more views. And um, um, I, all I remember is getting calls from some record collectors saying, are you Donnie Emerson that wrote Dreamin' Wild and, and your brother Joe? And, and I says, yeah. I says, what's the deal? And I says, 
well, we just love this record and we want to get some records and where can we call and who, where can we get them? So I turned them on to my dad. So it was kind of a, a surreal thing. It was just, it was, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, what's this? This is weird. This is like, you know, I, I'm at that time I was in my mid forties, I think 45, how, how old? I can't remember how old I was, 48 or something like that or something. And you know it's kind of odd to make have those feelings come back to you. It's it, it's it's strange. What makes your record stick out to a lot of people who are unassuming is the what's seen now is a totally outrageous cover. At at first glance, it has been written that it appears that you might even be Siamese twins. <laughs> Even though you're two years apart and, you know, there's an apparent, you know, you don't look like identical twins. Right. But the matching jumpsuits, the white jumpsuits that you're wearing with your names <laughs> on patches, it's a, the, like a band uniform, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, did you get those specifically for the album shoot or was that something that came before the album? Um. That came before the album. We had those made. Go ahead. You want to explain it, Joe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We had those made in Spokane, <clears throat> a store called, uh, that at the time, it was called Style Builders in Spokane. About Elvis. What was that, Mom? At the time, we was talking about Elvis. Everybody talked about him. And we kind of liked his uniform. So the kids, the boys, with the guys used to come and see how was the music going, he decided... All together, that's how it's gonna be the uniform. And so Joseph, he even had a medallion. What do you call it, Joe? Medallion. And still have it, I think. And it was pretty sharp, and everybody that liked it. Well, you. It's a time. The thing is, Mark, you have to realize. I think we were ten years behind. In '78 and '79, think of '68 and '69. Because we're out here in the farm, and we're kind of away from everything. Isolation. Isolation, yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. Yep. But, um, tell me, tell me about this medallion. I this this is something I didn't know about. Uh, well, if you look at the record, you, you'll see I'm wearing uh, a medallion around my neck. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. I've got it right here in front yeah. of me. So. Yeah, Joe designed that. Uh, the the medallion. It's. Um, it's uh, kind of the design of the, uh, I think it's NATO symbol or something, in a way. But there's an E, if you notice on, well, you don't see it on their jumpsuits there, maybe. But if, uh, on the reissue that Light and Attic did, uh, yeah. with the second release of other t other melodies and stuff that we Donnie and I put together, it shows, I think, the back of the jumpsuits, and it shows the E and the C kind of back to each, each other. And uh, that's for Enterprise and Company. And you still have your medallion? Yes, we still have our medallions. Yeah. Both of you. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That was 30 years later. Now we're 40 years later, and there's there's a movie coming. And right. I just, like, I, if I were in your shoes, I would have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Or... Yeah, and the thing is, just seven days ago... I listened to a remake of the baby song from this young girl, Mark, I believe her name is Kirsty Fox. 
okay, and she's done the remake of Baby, okay. It's probably been one of my favorite versions of of it, and I want to see things happen for her with this song the way she's done it. She's singing it just just wonderful. I just you know for someone unknown to be singing this song. Um, uh, Ariel Pink has done it. I've like I like Ariel's version as well, but uh, to hear a girl sing it and to sing it the way she's singing it uh, is is so well done. Maybe you can play an insert of her music while she's doing it because I she the girl needs props and and she's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's definitely going on the show. And yeah, I love the the Ariel Pink Dame Funk cover of it as well those mm -hmm. are both artists that i've been following for you know about as long as i've been following y'all right it all kind of i feel like i feel like the vibe that you guys were putting out when you released dream and wild had a big resurgence with the whole you, i'm sure you're familiar with like the sort of yacht rock characterization yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just kind of people, people all of a sudden realizing that there was this specific sound that um, of just like really syrupy molasses pop music. Yeah, and I've seen it. Yeah, and, and since Dreaming Wild has been out, I see a lot of people kind of following that vibe. You know, which is kind that's of, true. I, I've seen it. I've seen it a lot, and, and it's been great. Our music's been in a lot of films. We're very been we've been blessed because our stuff's been in in a lot of films. So I know from reading liner notes on your albums that there's a treasure trove of Donnie and Joe Emerson recordings. Uh, I want to know how long was the unit a thing? The like the existence of the Donnie and Joe duo as a band. I mean, it it really began probably in in '79 when we did the 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 picture taking at the at the studio in Spokane, and then it was probably uh, two 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 three years is all. I mean, that's quite a short, because shortly after that, we decided that Don kind of in a group uh, uh, agreement. Uh, uh, we decided together that uh, Donnie should continue with his uh, uh, songwriting and singing, but maybe we should go another avenue. So we decided to put some monies in and go hire musicians, studio musicians, and, and, and do a solo album Don did. Well, that started in 80, 83 or 81. So we only had a period of maybe three years or so when the the Dream and Wild was uh, came together, that actually we could say that was Donnie and Joe. My favorite track from Still Dream and Wild is uh, Ride the Tide. Okay, I I love it. I when I first heard it, I think I listened to it about fifteen times in a row. Yeah. 
that that I wrote that when I was going down to Los Angeles. You spent a few years down there, right? Yeah, off and on I was staying with a a, a guitar uh, a photographer friend of mine who let me bunk out at his house, which wasn't a typical type of house or 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 a condominium. It was it was a typical thing you would see out of a Hollywood movie or something. You know, the swimming pool, the the copper roof, you know, the, the grand piano in the in the foyer, the whole vibe, you know what I'm saying? He was a high fashion model photographer. Yeah. So you can just picture that whole vibe. And, and you were a high fashion model. Well, I, I was around. Did you bring high, your jumpsuit to LA? No, no. I was this country bump. I was this country bumpkin guy down there. He he shot my cover on the uh, on the record. Can I see you? Record, and we became friends. And I started staying there with him. And I wrote this song uh, about someone that I'd met down there. And. It just kind of came. It happened pretty fast. I wrote it really fast, and um, yeah, I played. I pieced all the parts together. The whole thing was all separated, kind of like Fleetwood Mac would do, like Mick Fleetwood would do. And you can kind of you can kind of hear that vibe in there, you know. Hey, I heard there's a vacancy in that band. Yes, there is, and I think I'm the right guy for it. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I, uh, I would be honored to yeah, be that guy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but my thing is but my thing is this Lindsey Buckingham to me is the is the uh, he is the cornerstone of that band he is the guy that came up with those melodies of the guitar work the sound of it the vibe you know but Donnie he's not even an original member well I know it's all it's all crazy isn't it it is yeah it is. Uh, one more thing I wanted to know is, uh, it, are are your folks still there? Yes. Don. Yeah, we're here. Selena. Yes. We're still here. How how do you feel about um, the likelihood that you you will both be portrayed by actors in an upcoming film? <laughs> how do you feel about that, Dad? How do you feel uh, about it? Who's well, that's fine with me. <laughs> I don't know who's gonna take my part. To play me because I why I went when he had the album, I I knocked a lot of doors and I saw a lot of album at the time, and I I'm not an educated person, you know I don't know how to read and write, but I said I try it so You're I a knock smart on doors, I I <laughs> I knock on doors and actually people bought the album and some of them I said what you doing here, I said Mark I said I'm helping my son he needs some help. So he don't understood me the first time. He says, what's the matter with your son? He need help? He's sick or something? He says, no. I said, he's ready to go to California. He's le- he needs some help. We need to really keep going here because we went through so much in this business. But we never stopped. Keep going. We had ups and downs and things like that. But you know something? I chased by ducks. Scam it to death because those ducks want to have the babies. You better don't go knock on doors. And nobody was helping me. So when that big mama dog, mama duck to chase me, then <laughs> I was scared. So I wonder sometime, I think, who's going to play my part? Because that part of the story, I, I chased by dogs, I chased by dogs. And, and you know, it's not was easy because sometimes you go knock on doors, you don't know who's going to open the door. Well, 
Tell my, me these stories. Yeah, my part would be a tough one because you have to have one uh, that, uh, I don't know, it's very stubborn and believes in, in what the project the kids are doing. And I know the people around the community must have thought I was crazy, you know, what I was doing. They had to have thought that. It's the only thing I'd come in my head. I'm I'm going to interject just on who could gonna you know who you know Dad I don't know how he's going to handle it who's playing him, but he's going to have to be a very soft spoken, uh, guy. Dad doesn't get excited too much. He doesn't oh. get wild. You know, there's some guys get wild. You know, that sure. he doesn't get that way. He is very very. Uh, he's very uh, reserved. Reserved. From the photos I've seen uh, in that era, say the like late seventies, early eighties, I would say uh, Eric Warhame and Rashida Jones probably pull off the part. Well, I don't know anything about actors. Well, who 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 would you who would you and Joe want to play yourselves? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Fantasy He's probably too old. Chachi, I don't know if they'll play me. <laughs> Chachi. No. Scott Bale can play me. I don't know. <laughs> you remember Donnie? When he was I don't know. Jack Nicholson can play Donnie. I think Jack Nicholson's going to play me. <laughs> at what? At, at 16 years old. <laughs> oh, God. I would man even playing know. a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know. Sounds good. Go. Hey, I'd watch that movie. Yeah. I, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Thank you all so much for everything you did. Thank Mr. you, Mark. Thank Emerson, you, Mark, for interviewing for... us. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome, Mark. I just want to say one thing before we end the end, end this, because we're going to go to bed. Um, I just want to tell all the fans out there that... <clears throat> Stuff like this doesn't happen all the time. I don't know if it's ever happened like this. And, and, and I want to tell the young kids out there that it is a gift. It is a gift, and it's a gift from God. And to really treat it with a lot of respect as much as they can, you know, because it doesn't come all the way from all your practicing and your hard work. It comes because it's given to you. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, so treat it with care. Yep. Don't throw it away. Don't exploit it. Yeah. And it's always it too. When you yep. make a good music, yep. make it decently, it just never go away. Yeah. Come back yeah. over and over. Yep. That's how I feel about it. Thank you, Mark, for having us here. Thank you, Mark. Thank so. you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Selena. And good night. You, and God bless you. What a treat to have the Emerson family on the show today. What you're hearing right now is a never-before-released track called Aussie Theme, an instrumental song from their treasure trove of unheard recordings. This particular song was written and recorded for their uncle Danny, who came from Australia to visit the family on their farm back in 1983. You won't find this anywhere else. So until next installment, thanks for listening to Low Profile and enjoy the music.